Childcare is always in demand, and often the supply of childcare workers does not meet the demand, especially in large cities across the United States. This leads to parents trying to reserve childcare openings before they even get pregnant, and the price of childcare continues to rise. According to ProCare Solutions, Minnesota has one of the highest childcare costs by state, and infant care services cost an average of $1,300 per month, while care for school-aged kids typically costs just over $1,000 a month. Conversely, monthly childcare costs in Alabama is much lower, and the average monthly cost of infant care is $500 per child, while a month of childcare tuition for a four-year-old costs an average of $432. However, families in Alabama struggle to find affordable childcare, and for the typical Alabama family, childcare costs 11.9% of their gross income. So that leads us into our guest for tonight. Hello and welcome to Wine or Whiskey, What's Your Work? Where we sit down with someone who loves their job to learn more about what they do. Tonight's guest is Amanda, a childcare worker who operates a daycare out of her home. Hi, Amanda. Hi. So what's in your glass tonight? Um, some Seagram's Jamaican Me Happy. Nice. Does working with kids Jamaican you happy? <laughs> it does make me happy. <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, correlating back to ONET Online, that has two classifications that fit, both fit for someone in the childcare field, such as a childcare worker, and a child care administrator, both of which are in Amanda's wheelhouse, and more to come on that. A child care worker is categorized with an interest code of SA, social and artistic. So those people in the social occupations frequently involve working with, communicating with, and teaching people. These occupations often involve helping and providing services to others. Those in artistic occupations frequently involve working with forms, designs, patterns, and they often require self-expression and the work to be done without following a clear set of rules. Now, looking at education and childcare administrators, preschool and daycare workers, it's also categorized with an interest code, but that is SEC for social enterprising and conventional. So as mentioned, the social occupations frequently work, uh, involve working with communicating and teaching with people. Those occupations often involve helping and providing services for others. The enterprising code and those occupations involve starting up and carrying out projects. These occupations can involve leading people and making decisions. Sometimes they require risk and often deal with business. Conventional occupations involve working with a set procedure and routine. These occupations can involve working with data and details more than with ideas. Usually there's a clear line of authority to follow. So Amanda, growing up, did you always want to open your own daycare? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were younger? When I was really young, I always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I remember playing school with my sister and um, with whatever kids were around. Um, but then as I got older and like middle school, high school, I wanted to be a bookkeeper or accountant. So, and that's what I ended up going to college for <laughs> was in accounting. Um, 
but now I'm back in college for a child development degree. <laughs> so what led you to open your own daycare? Um, after graduating from college the first time around, um, I had had our first child, um, who was born actually over spring break. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were having trouble finding, I was having trouble finding a job um, and finding daycare for him. And just things were not going well after graduation. So I looked into doing day, um, starting in daycare. Um, my mom kind of planted the seed. She's like, you could start your own daycare. And so I looked into it and that's where I am now, 22 years later. So when looking into it too, did you find it, it, it may have been difficult or like, what was that process like of how you got into it? Um, so to get into daycare, you start by having um, an orientation with the county that you live in. So um, that usually involves the licensor for your county. And they go over the rules and what's expected of you, um, training requirements, um, what, um, where, if, where you live um, will work with having a daycare. Because um, some places, like if you live in an association, sometimes they don't always allow it. Or um, if you live in an apartment, maybe the apartment building doesn't. Um, so there's lots of roadblocks that could come up. Um, so once you go through that license or that initial orientation, then you can start the process of the probably inch thick paperwork and background studies and <laughs> um, getting your house in order and all the fun things that you get to do every year for licensing. <laughs> oh yeah. So I suppose there's kind of inspections in a sense. Is that um, what they're yeah. called? So every, so the first year you're licensed, you, that they will come up that when you initially get your license. And then you also have to have the fire marshal come and inspect your residence um, to make sure that your windows are where they need to be. Um, or the openings have to be and the walls and the doors and all the fire codes are met. Um, and your licenser will come through and they will walk through and make sure that all of your outlet covers or outlets are covered, your um, things um, or hazards and stuff are out of reach of children. Your hot water can only be 120 degrees or less. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know it went into such detail about even your water temperature, but it yeah. makes sense if you have to bathe the child or something like that. Well, washing their hands in the bathroom is the biggest thing. Okay. So um, like we have a special thing that we have on our bathroom sink where the kids wash their hands. So the hot water never gets hot enough. It gets lukewarm at the most um, so that we can have hot water through the rest of the house. <laughs> Yeah. We can shower with hot water. So how long did it take you to get set up and running when you did the licensure process? Um, I want to say from the time that I started, I, I think they're saying now it takes four to six months. Hmm. Um, I want to say it probably took me three to four months okay. to get everything set up. And then once I got licensed, then it was to find the clientele. And how did you find your clients? Um, a variety of ways. There's um, our county, 
and I don't know if every county does, but our county does um, a list of all the daycare providers that are licensed. So our name would go on there. Um, there's also, when I first started, um, I used the grocery stores and the laundromats and stuff, and I put up flyers advertising um, that I had openings and stuff. Um, but now they're with um, Parent Aware is a really good resource for um, families to use. And that has the licensed daycare providers, both that are Parent Aware rated and those that are not. Um, and like I said, then the county, um, after a while, it just got to be word of mouth. So I haven't advertised in a really long time. Interesting. So as somebody that maybe is looking into daycare, but what, what is Parent Aware? So Parent Aware is a program that, um, I'm not even remember how long ago it started. Um, I know it was seven years ago in Benton County that we had started it, but it was a couple years before that. So within the last 10 years, Parent Aware started in Minnesota and it is a star rating program similar to like when you would rate like a hotel. Um, so the, you get one to four stars and each level of those stars is telling people that you're going above what licensing expects of you to get those stars. So, yeah. So right now my program is rated a three-star um, wow. program. I have, for the most part, I could get a four-star, except there's one thing holding me back that I haven't done. And <laughs> I just don't have the time to do that one thing. And if I did have the time, um, I could easily get a four star. Do I dare ask what's the one thing? Um, doing assessments twice a year. Uh, oh, so I wonder where the kids were. Because you said you're going back to school for child development. Yes. Oh, I'm going. Maybe to you can use your kids <laughs> as <laughs> the, your research subjects. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I started college classes uh, two and a half years ago. Um, and I'm slowly working for it. I'm doing it totally online through Concordia St. Paul. Um, they do have this online class that is made for people like us that want to pursue, um, higher education for whatever reason. And so I, I just spent the last two and a half years <laughs> taking general ed credits. <laughs> Oh, the gen eds. How fun. Yes, the gen eds. They are done. They are done. I'm like, I am doing gen eds first and I can focus on my main, my main thing. That's mm -hmm. smart because I got so excited about my major classes that I kind of did it backwards. And then I ended up as a senior taking gen ed classes with like freshmen. So no, that's good. Get your gen eds done and out of the way and get excited yeah. about your major classes. Yeah. So, um, but because I run a daycare and stuff, there is this, um, it's called a teach scholarship or teach grant. And that is run through child care where Minnesota and it's actually not our child care where, um, and they help me pay for my classes. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, there's certain, there's only certain schools that they do pay for, um, so you would have to pick one of their schools and you have to go for either early education or child development. And they do um, 
and then they pay up to 18 credits a year. Wow. I, that's so, really cool. That's and they don't pay for the whole thing, but they pay a portion of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it helps me tremendously. Yeah. And so, and I'm like, but I can't, I mean, these online classes, they're seven week classes and you have the whole semester smashed into those seven weeks mm-hmm. and try to do, and I, I take one class at a time. So I am taking one class right now. And then, um, I'm done at the end of the month here and with this class, and then I'll have a week off and then I'll start my next class. At least you get the week in between. Then it's spring break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It doesn't happen in the fall. Oh, oh, yeah. It ends up that it's right around MEA week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, which is kind of nice in a way to have that little break because I have had classes where you, you have to have stuff done beforehand. Mm. Um, but then when you're like in the fall, you have, you're finishing your one class, but then you have other homework on top of it. And I'm like, I have a life too. <laughs> yep. So, but this last year has been really challenging with having, taking classes and distance learning with my own kids. And then I had one family um, that had a schoolager that she had not, didn't have daycare for. So I ended up with her schoolager who was in second grade. So between the three of those, the three elementary students, I had over 20 alarms set per week. That wow. were most oh. daily. So yeah, I so would have at least 10 to 12 alarms going off a day to make sure they Whoa. were meeting with their teachers and things like that. For their Zoom meetings. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that gets into a little bit of walk us through what a, your typical day looks like, like hour by hour, non COVID and <laughs> the COVID routine. Um, so normally, um, I start my day between 5.30 and 6. I get up and get ready for the day. Um, If the kids are, well, the kids were in school, (laughs) um, I'm getting them up around 6.30, um, all three of of my kids. Um, So they're getting up and getting dressed and breakfast and getting ready to be out the door because at 10 to 7, we are dressing for the bus for the first one to get on the bus. <laughs> um, and then probably about quarter to seven, my first family arrives. Um, okay. So then, that's pretty early in the morning for them to arrive. Yep. Um, then at 10 to seven, so we get Max on the bus or out ready to go out to the bus. He's getting on the bus anywhere between 6.55 and seven o'clock is when his bus usually comes. Then I go back in and I finish getting my daughter ready because she rides a special ed van. So then she she's getting on the bus about 10 after seven. And then by the time she leaves, my husband is leaving with our eighth grader to head him off to school. He's been at home since last March. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. So um, So he's been working from home. So he actually takes and drives out drops my um, middle schooler off at his school, and then he drives back home and goes to work. And so between 7.15 and probably about 7.30, my other families arrive. Um, then by 7.30, shortly after when that, um, 
last one comes in, then we're fixing breakfast for the little ones, um, feeding the babies their breakfast. And then um, I usually, depending on what day it is, I do have one family that comes a little bit later, two days a week. Um, so then we wait for them to come and then we start our circle time. So our, um, we do our calendar and we sing our song, our, our Who's Here Today song. Um, we work on our letters, our numbers, our colors, shapes. Um, we have a book that we read, we have vocabulary. Um, we work on rhyming and alliteration and um, um, syllables. Um, we have quite the rigor, rigor, rigor more. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that word is. Not say. <laughs> and then we journal. Um, so we practice. We draw a picture, whatever it happens to be, or what our journal prompt is for the day. Um, we practice writing our names. Um, sometimes we might work on writing our numbers or shape, you know, drawing our shapes and letters. And then for the most part, then um, the rest of the day is free play till lunch. Um, in the when the weather's nice. Um, like in the spring and summer and fall, as long as it's not raining, we usually take that time when we go for a walk. Or if we don't go for a walk, if the weather's nice, we do play outside and um, doing different activities outside too, sidewalk chalk, um, scooters, um, not not the ones that you ride on your feet, the ones, those little square ones from Jimmy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> Deep driveway, so we sometimes sweep it up and the end of the driveway and right down the hill. <laughs> but then it's lunch time so we come in and fix lunch <clears throat> um change diapers and all that stuff and then it's nap time um which is my hour hour and a half whatever I can get of me time love the nap time um yeah um the animals even participate in nap time <laughs> uh, <laughs> the cats and the dogs in the house yeah um then after nap time, then it's on a school day, then um, my kids start coming home about 2.30. And then, or my two. And then it's get up from naps, um, go potty, change diapers, and then have snack. And then it's either free play in the house or we go back outside and play. So we have a, we have a big backyard that's got a variety of activities. And then we stay out there until it's time to go home until everybody leaves and then it's back in the house to make supper and homework and bed and bath and then it's my bedtime <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> that sounds like a busy day even too I didn't realize with some of the the like the training or like training but like the teaching stuff that you do in the morning with like going over vowels or syllables and ABCs do you like kind of go with the flow and think of stuff that morning or do you kind of have a preset plan that you make so for the store? My program started, um, I'm actually starting my fourth year with, um, I partnered with the Minnesota Reading Corpus program. Um, so they actually gave me the whole curriculum and I just oh. followed their curriculum. Okay, so I'm kind of curious too. Now, we've talked about like a typical day. Yeah. Um, what is maybe, because they're good and bad days. What does a crazy or extreme day look like? Um, when the babies poop up their back multiple times <laughs> a day. Um, 
Um, but our, probably the day that I have spaghetti, you know, and everybody's going to spill it or, you know, I don't know. Um, There's noodles flying across the table. <laughs> we haven't had food fights, no, but that would be the day that um, somebody would spill their milk or, um, you know, they they had their plates sitting off the edge of the table or something or moved their arm to get their milk and away their plate went flying across the floor. Um, kids are always fighting, you know, just babies are crying. Nobody's happy. <laughs> yeah. Is it a requirement too for first aid knowledge? Yes. Um, so you have to have 16 hours of training a year in a, in a, cal um, not a calendar year, in your licensing year. So I have to have 16 hours in that year. Um, it is, I just looked this up too, so I knew what I had. Um, you have to have so many hours of child development training. You have to have so many of health and safety. You have to have um, CPR and first aid or pediatric CPR and first aid is every two years. Um, you have to take abusive head trauma. Um, you can take it every other year, but you in person or there is, um, you are able to take it online also. There's a class online that you're, that qualifies. Or on your off year, you can take and watch a bunch of videos and then answer some questions, but it's just easier to do the class every year um, for abusive head trauma and for suits, which is your sudden unexplained infant death syndrome or something. Oh yeah. Um, otherwise known as SIDS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> SIDS and shaken baby. There'll always be SIDS and shaken baby. Yeah. Um, so those are the, there's requ certain requirements you have to have. And then, and I want to say that's probably about half your training. And then the rest of your training is whatever you want to do. So as far as like education is concerned, it sounds like a lot of trainings. Is yep. um, there any like formal education uh, requirements in order to be potentially successful? Um, to be successful? No. Yeah, I mean, just having that basic knowledge of, to be successful I, for education-wise, not really. Um, if you're, to be successful or with a high-quality program, um, it's more going to be more about your personality and um, your program versus your education. Yeah, education will help you along with that, but it's not necessarily a requirement. And if someone was interested in opening their own in-home daycare, what would you tell them in a range that they might be expected to make? And I know it'll probably be localized to your geography since it can range across states. Um, and Yeah, and I actually looked up um, what Minnesota's was. Okay. Um, they said the range for Minnesota was 18,000 to 29,000. For an, for an in-home? Yep. Like, net? <laughs> like, they deserve to make so much more. That seems way I'm too low. <laughs> I'm guessing that would be net. I'll say, just for easy figuring, you've got the $100. <laughs> yeah. You know, $100 times, or for one kid, is $5,200 or $5,200 a year. You know, and if you can do that by 10 kids, you know, you're looking at 
you know, $52,000 yeah, $52, a year. Yeah. But, be but before expenses, and especially yes. if you're preparing breakfast and lunch, diapers, wipes, creams, it's a lot of all the things the kids break. <laughs> um, well, yes, and we can write off a portion of like our house payment and our electric bill and water bill and garbage bill and your cable and internet and whatever you use for daycare. Interesting. And I'm even curious too about kind of uh, an expected career path, but even too talk about your own career path because even you're going back to school, what are, what are your intentions? So <laughs> I call them my retirement goals. <laughs> Interesting. So my retirement goals are once I get my child development degree, which would be my bachelor's, um, I would be able to go to get a parent education license, which would be that I could go to like one of the area school districts and teach um, the parent portion of an early childhood class. Um, so that one, from what I've heard from my early childhood teachers that when I started pursuing what I wanted to do for, to become a preschool teacher, um, they told me that, you know, the different ways I could go about it. Um, and when I started looking into it, it worked better for me to do my child development degree. So it's, it's not going to be where I want to be at the, when I graduate with my child development, but it gives me the bachelor's so I can get my parent education license. And then once I get my parent educator license, then I'd be able to go back to school again <laughs> or continue school. <laughs> to get my early education license, which would be your birth to third grade license. So you could teach anything from early childhood classes to third grade. Um, because if I were to do that because of student teaching, I would have to quit daycare. Mm -hmm. And so if I did my parent education license then I was able to fall back on, I could do parent education while I student taught. Oh. So. I, I weighed my pros and cons on what I wanted to do. And I'm like, I could do everything but the student teaching. So, um, and by the time I get done with all my classes and stuff, all my kids might be graduating from high school. So. <laughs> <laughs> or close. <laughs> right. So those are my retirement goals. Is to eventually, when I retire from daycare, I can... I will have my birth to third grade license so I could substitute teach anywhere. <laughs> but I thought, I'm like, oh, it'd be nice, you know, when I was done with daycare that I could go, you know, teach in the school district and um, teach preschool classes. So even closing comments, thoughts, words of wisdom that you would give to our listeners if they wanted to pursue a career I thought was be ready for the three P's. Okay. <laughs> what are the three P's? <laughs> I'm scared. Poop, <laughs> but excited. And puke. Oh. What were they again? Pee, poop, and puke. Oh. <laughs> you're going to get probably one of them a day, or at least, you know, sometimes, sometimes all three of them in one day. <laughs> <laughs> 